Welcome back to the show, you radically healthy humans. Today, I had in the studio the animal-based bay, Miss Lindsay, and we covered a lot of ground in this conversation. I think you're going to learn some very cool, new, and surprising things about Lindsay's journey from dealing with celiac disease, being a martial artist, launching different businesses, how she arrived at the animal-based bay. We talk a lot about female nutrition and important considerations. Should women drink coffee, for example? We talked a lot about building resiliency. You'll learn um, Lindsay's favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner meals, and we can of just have a really cool fun intuitive conversation that covers a lot of ground so i think you're gonna love this show so let's get into it we'll see you there Lindsay, welcome to the show, The Animal Based Bay in the Flesh. My opening question to you before we dive into your story and all yes. of that is what is it like to be a woman, female nutrition expert and leader in this space in a predominantly masculine dominated space? Like it's all men eating meat off the bone and stuff. What is it like to take up some space as a woman? Yeah, it's definitely maybe a little bit lonely, but I think that I could hold my own just growing up as a martial artist. Uh, that was also a very male dominated sport. Mm. So I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I still need a little bit of elbow room. So just kind of doing that. But I feel that there's a lot of energy behind me because I know there are a lot of women who want to have a voice and who also want to be a part of this message in this community, but I feel like um, maybe just don't have that sort of like, whether it be confidence or empowerment to do so. So, um, so yeah, so I just kind of feel that it's something that it's a challenge mm -hmm. and I'm up for it. <laughs> Good. I'd say you're more than holding your own. I, I'm curious, like how, was it surprising to you to see how you blew up in the online space? Because you kind of, you know, I'm sure you will get into your story and you've been working on a lot of this stuff behind the scenes for a long time. Yeah. But as a relative, you know, like newcomer to social media in the last few years, you mm -hmm. kind of ascended really quickly and, and got yourself quite well established. Was that surprising at all? Was that ever the plan? Was it just like, you know, a complete <laughs> chance happening? What, what what was the story there? Yeah, it really wasn't part of the plan at all. And actually, you know, Spoiler alert, I still don't have a plan mm -hmm. <laughs> to continue. Uh, I mean, I do, I will be continuing, but just I don't have a plan. And so I think that you're right. It's kind of always been a part of my life where I definitely wanted to vocalize women's health from all perspectives, mental, physical, and I and spiritual even too, in fact. And so I've always had some sort of presence in, you know, speaking engagements or online. It, obviously wasn't as big as it is today. Um, and so it years before Animal Based Bay came, I was doing that and practicing that. And right actually before I decided to change to Animal Based Bay, I didn't want to be on social media. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not doing this. No. And then, you know, with encouragement from from some friends and, and my community around me, I just gave it one more shot. I was like, you know, I'm going to try this just one more time. It's fine. We'll see what happens. So actually the fact that I didn't have a plan was to my benefit because mm -hmm. before that, if I think about all of my 
um, media presence and different platforms that I, you know, in the different channels that I executed some of my mes messaging, I always had a plan, almost thought about it too much. So I think this felt more natural to just give it a go and see and put it out there. Yeah, I love that. And we were speaking off her a little bit before we hit record about resiliency and taking yeah. the road less traveled and the mm -hmm. harder path. And it sounds like you had to do that when you was almost ready to just be like, I'm out of this game. And then, no, let me give it one more shot. But yeah. that doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen overnight. You've already teased us with this martial artist background. <laughs> so take us back a little bit. Where, sure. Where's the story originate? You know, like, what did you learn growing up? How, how did you come to be the Animal Based Bay? Like, take us on a little journey there of what you've learned and how you see the world these days. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess at the age of five, I was a martial artist and a couple years later, gymnast as well, too. So those were my two sports that I would think live, breathe those sports. And funny enough, my dad was my sensei, the instructor. So mm -hmm. yes, I had martial arts when I was younger in the dojo, but then it also bled into home life as well, too. So definitely had a secondary dojo at home. And so this is sort of the birth of, you know, my practicing and my training and my of building resilience, really. And so I trained essentially all the way up until about high school or so when, you know, social life sort of took over and I had a little bit more resistance um, to just being a part of, you know, even though my dad was like every day, every day, <laughs> you know, so I had a little bit more resistance with that because mm -hmm. I wanted to be a little bit more socially involved and mm -hmm. so on. So, um, so that, uh, those, that art really helped develop a lot of skill from um, my physical body to also mentally as well. And I didn't really, um, learn the benefits of what it did for me mentally until much later, actually, when I was mm -hmm. more mature and I just sort of, you know, had a lot of introspection and understanding of what it really meant to be a martial artist. It wasn't just meant to be like, let me just take somebody down, huh? mm -hmm. wrist lock and all that and all that stuff. So, um, so that's kind of where the physical part of it, not that it stopped, but that it reached a good, you know, max level. And then I went on and I went to college and I, um, I, I also did develop a lot of weight training and, and personal training um, skills as well. My uncle was a personal trainer and he actually lived with us for, for some time too. And um, so I would always kind of be taken under his wing and he would show me the ropes. So there was a lot of that early on nutrition um, as it relates to fitness and wellness back then too that, mm. I, that I was taught and um, kind of your basic, you know, protein carbs and a and little bit of fat, right? Mm -hmm. Not more non-fat then. Um, so, so anyway, so that's how I grew up. And then I was in college and I did a lot of personal training and group classes and fitness classes. I always wanted to be physical. I was in a lot of different sports, um, intramural sports as well. Just kind of did everything. I was that person that wanted to try everything. And I knew that if I tried something that I could just pick it up pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Um, so that, so that grew. So physically I grew and then it wasn't until after college where I, I did enter into the corporate world at one point in my life. We can talk about that if you want, but as it relates to more of, you know, sort of, uh, physical and mental health, I then, 
you know, I went to the corporate world and decided that wasn't for me. So then I moved on into a, uh, it was a like a marketing manager, a mobile marketing manager. So I was on the road 100% of the time. I mean, I traveled to like, there's 48 different states and within this time period, about like four years or so. And then I would have increments of times where I did um, these marketing uh, these marketing um, like festivals and things like that, br bringing more brand awareness. And during those times, it was like maybe you could do two months or you could do six months at a time and then you'd have off for a few months and I would just go travel internationally. Mm. And so I was really interested in, in cultures. And I know like when you were talking about how you traveled and you lived in Australia and, and over here and, and I feel you know, that it just resonates because it really um, does bring a lot to the table physically and mentally. And you get to see different cultures. You get to see the way they eat. You mm. get to see the way they live. You get to see their community, their culture. Um, so I did a lot of travel. So then maybe about 35 countries later, 48 different states later, um, I landed back here and thought that, okay, I needed to find a little bit more of a um, or commit at least to one location or just feel a little bit more grounded. So then I entered into yoga and I got my yoga uh, teacher certification, but I still had a little bit of the travel bug mm -hmm. in me. So I went to Thailand and did that for about a month. Um, so as that changed from sort of like physical to more, a little bit more spiritual, then there was uh, just my life sort of evolved into what, like listening more to myself, more intuition. And it evolved into taking my different disciplines and applying it into something that I could teach. And so from then, I decided that I wanted to teach women self-defense actually. First it was yoga and then it's mm -hmm. like, ah, this is a little too chill for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little type A personality, but you get me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to blend it because I thought that from a holistic perspective, I the yin and the yang needed to combine. And so I wanted to teach self-defense. So obviously pulling from my martial arts background, um, and I grew up to teaching, you know, kids martial arts and gymnastics. So that was always sort of little little notes throughout the throughout my life. But um so then I connected back with two friends of mine who are also black belt martial artists. And so together we formed something called the Inner Warrior Project. Hmm. And we taught younger women self-defense. So we wanted to make young women, young women stronger and just know that they can feel confident and they can protect themselves. And the more and more that we taught and we received you know, it's just f feedback from them as well. The more we understood that self-defense wasn't really necessarily physical. It all started with confidence and intuition and your poise, how you even hold yourself, right? Um, there's a, you know, your body language communicates a lot. So from that, we realized that the workshops that we were doing, the self-defense workshops, it was really hard to people to come to them and to want to do them because it was such a masculine mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, approach where it was like self-defense, right? Like people get scared of that. And I can completely understand. And so what I did was 
the from Inner Warrior Project, I I I left because our visions changed a little bit, but mm-hmm. we're completely friends today. As a matter of fact, I went to Santa Barbara where they're at now just recently, like two weeks ago, and hung out with them. And um, so I love them, and I still will always support what they do. And so my vision was a little bit differently, where I wanted to take a piece of Inner Warrior Project that I created, which is called Empower Hour. And what that did was it made it a more approachable um, workshop. It was about an hour workshop, Empower Hour. (laughs) Um, It was a more approachable workshop that would, that offered almost like a fitness class in ways, but it was a little bit more intentional than that. We would have these breaking boards and we would write in the beginning any negative narratives or stories that are holding us back from, you know, living our fullest self, living our most confident and write down what we're telling ourselves. And it was beautiful to just go through this and see all the stories and all like, you know, because we can all relate Mm -hmm. to that, that we have these sort of insecurities in them. And as they wrote them down, then we would go through a sort of yoga warm up practice, right? Pulling from that discipline. Um, and then get into like a kickboxing segment because it's way easier to enter a kickboxing class than a self-defense class, get into a kickboxing segment. And then at the end there, it would culminate into us all breaking boards together and essentially breaking the narrative and reversing it. In my Hapkido, I practice redirection of force and energy. So it's not meant to, if you're to throw a punch at me, I'm not meant to block it or anything like that. I want to actually use your energy against you Mm -hmm. in order to have the least amount of resistance almost, but also um, to just you know, get away easier, right? So I I use your energy against you and then I'm able to escape. So Mm -hmm. kind of that way mentally as well. Um, And so I feel that that was something that I really resonated with because I received a lot of energy from that and something that was, was absolutely needed. So when I launched that, it was 2020 or yeah, 2020, it was February, 2020 in California when I launched it. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happened in March, Mm -hmm. right? So now I'm like, what the heck? This is a group gathering of of events. It's a workshop that thrives off of having people in groups. And I can't do that anymore. So that was kind of a bummer. So as you were saying about resilience too as well, and just even my discipline of redirection of force and energy, it's kind of always been this buildup of you know, of training in ways that I didn't even know I was training for, right? Mm -hmm. And so pivoting, I guess I started to get really good at. (laughs) And so when I pivoted, how I pivoted from this was I was really bummed because I felt like this was definitely a calling that I wanted to do is create these workshops and create these vibrant um, gatherings of just inspiration to just push people and nudge people in, in some direction that can just, you know, help give them a little bit more confidence. And so I, um, I started a food business, mm-hmm. <laughs> a uh, CPG uh, business, which is just consumer packaged goods. And um, 
during this time, I still was involved in, you know, fitness programs and also taking people like not only group classes, but then I did programs with people as well, too, where it was like six week programs where I would help them with their nutrition and their physical fitness. And then it got a little bit more advanced and detailed. And I started working with doctors where we would take hair follicle samples and mm. blood tests and work closely with them just um, where, you know, they would read the analysis and then give me direct feedback so that I could understand how to um, integrate their nutrition and their workouts. Um, so with that being said, I myself did follicle samples and realized that, oh, wow, I have uh, heavy metals, you know, too much heavy metals in my body, such as aluminum and things like that. And um, so then I created, I would always try to um, get food and, and create food in order to, you know, uh, solve that problem in, in ways. And so I created this pesto that was a cilantro based pesto mm. that, um, you know, could naturally collate heavy metals out of the body with Brazil nuts, mm -hmm. you know, for selenium. And then we had, uh, I had spirulina in there as well as garlic even, but essentially why I went this path. And, and so I created that pesto, right? And just every time people would want me to make it for them. Oh, this is so good. Like never heard of cilantro based pesto. Awesome. Awesome. And then, you know, once 2020 hit, I was still thriving at my, you know, crowd gatherings and people <laughs> loved the pesto. And one time somebody said to me, Hey, why don't you just, you know, start selling this at the farmer's market? Mm -hmm. You could do that. And it's in 2020. I'm like, well, people got to eat, I guess. And then when those essential businesses opened and the farmer's markets and grocery stores, I was like, well, I guess I could try. So boom, Lindsay's Apothecary Pesto Number One was mm. was released. And my intention behind this was because I was still very health focused, performance focused, you know, while also healing the body through nutrition. Um, I obviously made sure it was in a glass bottle, <laughs> um, but I saw the most overused in uh, products in the industry, which is uh, condiments, really, and. Um, and where it it was so overused, but the people weren't thinking that it was causing, you know, a, like calorie overload or mm. like this was, you know, some of the hidden issues of weight gain or just, you know, undesirable. Um, so that's where I decided I didn't want any sugars. Well, I, I knew because I was eating this way anyways. And so I didn't want any sugars in there involved or any just processed foods it was all whole foods blended and then created this really nourishing spread so um then just you know a couple years into it and and funny enough when i launched it that's when i heard about like carnivore and mm. went to try it so it was really hard to launch it but i thought that hey this is better than any other sauces really out there on the market and so i still believe that people can absolutely get healthy off of this um by removing the other sauces and spreads and still having that variety and flavor so that's um so then you know it, it the shelf life was maybe about a couple of weeks or so mm -hmm. and so that's where i was running into these issues with you know calling different mentors or guides and and they would all say you know put this in there rosemary extract and citric acid and all these things that make it shelf stable i'm like but it doesn't align with yeah. who i am because i don't want that stuff in the foods this is the problem and so at the end of the day it was like people just got to make food at home mm. <laughs> but prior to that one big thing that i really did uh miss about this conversation is in college i was diagnosed with celiac disease and so 
not only through, you know, physical martial arts, personal training, and all these other, you know, mental, mind and spiritual developments came a really hard lesson that I had to learn that I was diagnosed with celiac disease in college. And this was also at a time where there was no substitution. There was no celiac friendly bread or Mm -hmm. gluten free bread or like now there's gluten free everything. There's gluten free milk. And you're like, Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? Now we're talking about marketing labels here. I see what's happening. So that really began my um, investigations into labels, into marketing, into all of these, you know, different aspects of the food industry. Um, And to to come to the, you know, point of, oh, a lot of it was hidden in spreads and sauces, right? So then Lindsay's apothecary spread and sauce business sort of like had that inspiration behind it. Um, and it, you wouldn't think that. You would just immediately think breads, pastas, and all mm-hmm. of these normal things, and they weren't. So so anyway, so apart from avoiding, obviously, pretty much the Italian culinary scene, <laughs> um, or at least the way that America portrays it, um, I you know, there was a lot of food that I had to eliminate and it wasn't a pill. It wasn't anything that I needed to take, but it was all about elimination. And like the removal of that absolutely healed me, Mm -hmm. you know, and what I ate then is not still what I'm eating now, though it healed me. It made me feel better. It didn't like warrant a freshman 15 like everybody was doing. Actually, it did the opposite. Mm. Um, So I felt great and awesome. And, um, and at that time period in my life, that was what healed me. So with that being said, there were, there were some fascinating findings that I found within that. And then of course, you know, moving, moving along in life, time and space, um, my nutrition has evolved to optimize for who I am today. Mm. There's a really important, well, there's a lot of important stuff there, but, you know, from the nutritional perspective, I think you hit something that's really critical, which is a lot of what constitutes a good diet is what you're not eating, right? Mm -hmm. It's this removal process. And let's say you got meat pilled on this kind of like carnival rabbit hole. And maybe you even did like the strict carnival version for a while, which is what we'd probably call the ultimate elimination diet. But now coming full circle it's not always about restriction and removal. Mm -hmm. It's now about adding back in and Mm -hmm. biodiversity of the foods that you can eat that don't trample on your health. Mm -hmm. So how do you currently arrive now at this like whole journey of the, your conceptual framework of like an animal-based diet? What does that represent to you? Because it doesn't sound like it's complete restriction and removal of everything. It sounds like it might need that element to it. And then it's Mm -hmm. about adding stuff back in. So where's your current stance on the animal-based diet and helping people to find what works for them? Yeah, um, it's not you know, it's not in everybody's DNA to sometimes go zero to 60 like I do sometimes. And so I have to always remember that, you know, not only through the the comments and the feedback that I do get from the audience, but also just in my own journey and my own experience with past clients. And I do think it's really powerful to do elimination. And that's of any sort, not only in your food, but yeah. also your surroundings. I mean, how good does it feel to do a spring cleaning or to just, if you're hoarding things, to let go of things? Like It feels like a legit weight. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't, you weren't consuming your clothes. You just mm-hmm. got rid of emptied your closet, but you feel like completely light. So I feel that with that, I, I feel like if somebody wants a place to start, just start by making things simple. 
because the more that you make things simple, the more that you open up other doors to to feel what you need. And I think we've lost connection with that. We've lost connection with understanding what we intuitively need and how we need to be nourished intuitively. And so it may be boring, it may be mundane at first, but I think that um, the more that we can embrace um, the boring, I think we talked about this a little bit before, we did hit, hit record, it's just embracing the suck in ways. Sure, it's not crunchy and it's not always fun or you know things that the food industry does now just to get you addictive mm -hmm. it's not those fun immediate you know um sort of highs if you will from food it's you know it's not necessarily always crunchy it's just it's it's nourishment and so i do hear people when they do have families and they do have a life to live as well too and they do have kids and stressors come into play here too so there's always a balance from an individual's perspective too and so you can't always generalize it but um, from an individual's perspective it's I, I do try as best as I can to keep it simple but also to add that variety for people to to know that hey you know you can take some of the you know least toxic plant foods such as fruits and and make it into a fun sauce mm -hmm. and and you can make it into a kid friendly you know animal based school lunch and and you can do all these things you can use it with very minimal ingredients and simple ingredients and that is the only way that I feel that we are able to start the process of understanding what you know um undesirable feelings and symptoms we are having is by just being super simple yeah i think when initially like when you try to encourage people on that way of life it's very like deficit driven to them it feels like all the stuff that they're missing out on and mm -hmm. they forget sometimes that what's on the other side of that is what they have to gain mm -hmm. which is health and vibrancy right. back or the cycle or the vitality or reversing something they've dealt with right. like celiac disease and the issues that come upstream of that mm -hmm. that they probably dealt with for a decade or more so mm -hmm. it's really empowering people to think about you know yes you're gonna lose out on some of your crunchy snacks potentially yeah. there are great alternatives now especially you know as we get more and more in this space and get right. more popularity like you said everything's popping up now you can find beautiful pastures pork rinds to satisfy the crunch and all yeah. kinds of manner of things and when you've done this for long enough like you and i have been doing this for a long time you've been doing this for a long mm -hmm. time now you you start to really prioritize that nourishment and i'm sure you don't eat anything really that you are completely grossed out about no organs gets a touchy subject there because people yeah. are not so psyched about eating some liver sometimes right but almost everything that i put in my gob these days is bloody delicious i love yeah. the food that i get to eat and i love the way that it makes me feel right and in that case it's like what am i going back to if i went back to all the things i used to love if it was just right. you know a carbaholism and you know gluten right. with every meal and pizza and all of that stuff yeah. yeah mouth pleasure but what's the cost of that right so i i definitely resonate with this like kiss principle keep it simple mm -hmm. silly you know totally. remove the excess not just from a dietary perspective but mm -hmm. from a lifestyle perspective like when you said about think about how good it is to spring clean i was thinking about how good it is to like have a day where you don't look at your phone for example oh my gosh and you're like social media diet and the news media diet and the email diet yeah. like it's all our diet right so i think yeah. there's uh some some real good points in there and I'm I'm also curious you know because being in this space nutritional mm -hmm. 
it's very, I said this, it's very masculine dominated, but also like a lot of the science, a lot of the understanding studies done predominantly on men. Mm -hmm. There's like almost like a fundamental missing piece for mm -hmm. understanding female nutrition. So sure. as you become the animal-based bay and the bulk of your audience, I'm going to guess, are women that are looking to improve their health. Yeah. What important considerations do you think uh, are necessary to talk about when it comes to an animal-based diet for women in particular? Sure, yes. Yes, it's definitely a space that, you know, needs needs more support for sure. And so um, as it relates to women, yeah, we we aren't men. We go through hormonal changes, very different, you know. And so I think that this more than anything is, it's more important to be more simple. It's more important to, and the reasons to be more simple is so that you can understand what's going on inside intuitively, you know, understand the hormonal phases mm -hmm. and understand how to react to them based on that. Question you know? for you there. Sure. Like you, you you don't get taught that, right? Like in school oh my or anything? Like no. how do you learn that? <laughs> no, I mean, just my own research yeah, really, okay. you know, it's just definitely self-taught. And, you know, once I sort of like Pandora's box, once celiac disease happened for me, there was just a lot of different you know, things that I, I wanted to research and look into. And, um, and actually that wasn't something that was really prioritized um, then. And maybe it was, was because I was in more of my masculine energy there. Right. And so, you know, so, some of my challenges today are even just trying to balance that appropriately. Mm. And even as you mentioned, like kind of social diet and detox, and we'll talk about that in a second. Because um, I'm just like, thinking about that lately over the past week but um but yeah it's it's where the you know this is important because the bloating doesn't happen or the water retention doesn't happen to you guys you know cyclically mm -hmm. so it's all of these things that you have to pay attention to what your body's really needing and it's your body too and it's not your emotions right so there's a lot of things that um, we want to try to pay attention to and listen to. And so when we are doing eating, you know, processed foods or maybe drinking and as it relates to some of our emotional status, then we're just clouding out what our body really needs. And um, we're, you know, we're we're not really nourishing exactly what we need. So so from a emotional standpoint, there's actually this book called uh, when Food is Love mm -hmm. and by Jean Roth. And what she does is really just describes how much we leverage food in, in, into our emotional state. And so I know that women struggle with this a, a, a lot of times too, you know? And so um, from that respect, I think that that definitely needs to change. But I also feel like it's a bigger picture. It's not just nourishment and how much you can kind of simplify your diet. And an animal-based diet is a great way to not only simplify, but also to get your full nutrients and minerals that you need that are essential, that are vital, you know, in order for us to survive and um, be in harmony with our body. There's also a physical aspect to it mm -hmm. too, where there's, you have to work hard. You have to. And, um, and I know, Dr. Gabrielle Line would be clapping in the corner if she heard me say this, but muscle is super important, you know, as a woman and as we grow and as we age. And of course, you know, women are always like, ah, you know, eat me, muscle, masculine, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. I wore a dress today so that I can show off that I can be feminine too. I know a lot of you guys have seen me on my Instagram and, you know, workout clothes or sweaty, my hair up or lifting weights and eating, you know, 
organs and and all of these things but we can be feminine i'm actually feel more feminine than i ever have because mm -hmm. confidence right i don't feel fragile i feel balanced at all points in my cycle you know even when i am during my menstrual cycle i don't feel as you know as bloated or as blue or um just brain fog as I used to. Of course, hormone symptoms, they happen. And so you're going to feel that. But it's really just embracing that, um, that feeling and not having to take Midol because it's something that you feel. I, I did in the past, actually, a long time ago, because my periods were super brutal. Mm. But, um, but then literally, when I changed to an animal based diet, they, they went away. And not saying that my symptoms completely went away, but the brutality of it was just completely gone. I mean, I'm still working and moving mm -hmm. during it. So I, I feel that by having this, this sort of basis, like when you can feel strong and confident in those hormonal changes, and um, this is really just what feminine really means to me. So you're telling me that lifting weights mm -hmm. doesn't make you bulky. It actually empowers you to be more in your feminine. What an interesting statement, because that's yeah. what we hear all the time. I won't lift weights. It'll make me too much like a little man. I'll make me bulky. Yeah. So you enjoy lifting weights, building muscle, feeling I, that confidence. I do. Yep. Building muscle. And it's really for for more longevity, mm -hmm. you know, than than just kind of leanness and looks. And of course, you know, we, we all want to look a certain way. So I'm not denying that of course I like looking and having a, a certain physique and I feel like everybody's goals are different mm. um, but I do feel like you know fitness is a major part if not almost like 50 50 when it comes to nutrition to working out more and more especially especially for women mm. and I like that you said you know just taking more of this uh, holistic view mm -hmm. of um, what's really important. And, you know, diet's obviously a huge piece of this. We eat pretty much, you know, three meals a day every day for the rest of our lives. Yeah. But this movement piece is important. And I know that you also believe in the way in which we manage our lifestyle mm -hmm. and the resilience and the drive. And I'm always fascinated by how we square this circle because I'm a man and I live in a culture that has a lot of these like masculine ideals of mm -hmm. just like fucking get after it and crush yeah. it, build yeah. businesses. And, you know, you can sleep when you're dead and all yeah. of that stuff. I'm also acutely aware that a lot of those masculine ideals don't necessarily fit the feminine, softer, more intuitive, more curious energy, especially mm -hmm. at certain times in mm -hmm. a cycle. Mm -hmm. So for you out there, entrepreneurially trying to build a business of impact and show up every day, mm -hmm. create content. In, in a world where you've acknowledged that maybe I've been stuck in my masculine before. Mm -hmm. How are you finding balance in in that way these days where you can have uh, that yin and yang really nicely balanced? Right, you know what? Um, truth be told, I'm not right now. Mm. And I'm, I've come to a head with it like just recently. Um, but how I'm finding balance like anything else isn't like, oh, here's a supplement about balance. Let mm. me take that. Um, it's been probably about six months where I've started to kind of really struggle with that. And as I view nutrition, as I view working out, and as I view just life as a whole, as we're talking about right now, um, it's it comes down to just trial and error in your own life. Because what you do today to make your life efficient, to create balance socially for you is not gonna be the same for me. 
you know, and even if it's, you know, Noelle over here, who's a woman, it's still not going to be mm -hmm. the same for me. Even if it's somebody with exactly my height, my weight, and all of these things, just because I'm using the same macros as you do in when we're talking about maybe from a social aspect to it, it's not going to work for me because mm -hmm. my life is different and how, you know, I receive and how I expend energy and all of these things. So what I like to do is just test it and and try it and be patient with it and embrace the moments that don't feel like I'm getting ahead or progressing. And so I've looked at it on a scale of each day, like, okay, in the morning, I'm going to do this. And then late morning, I'm going to do this. Afternoon, evening. Okay, that doesn't work. All right, great. Maybe Monday through Wednesday, I'm going to focus on this. Then Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to focus on this. Great. Yeah, that doesn't work. Tried it. Doesn't work. How about Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Okay. No, that's not working. How about one week? It, it, like from a whole month perspective now, like how are we balancing it instead of, you know, minute to minute by our daily lives? And so right now I'm currently in that process of discovering how to balance it because I do think that, okay, if there is anything that is one of my weaknesses right now, um, it is, and it's not that I'm media addicted or anything of that sort, I don't believe. Um, it's just that trying to create a business, you know, myself and, and keep it alive because if I stop, the business stops. So I'm just trying to find the best spot for it to flow where I can also find time to, to myself. And so, um, so yeah, so I'm trying to create these healthy spaces for myself. I don't have the exact code right now for you. Um, well, I think people will really appreciate that vulnerability mm -hmm. because in social media land, the only thing we see is the highlight reel of everybody's life. Right. And I think there's this asymmetry that exists. I call it the front row to the shit show. Mm -hmm. So from your own front row seat to your own yeah. shit show, you're aware of all your own neuroses and your patterns and like, why do I keep doing this? And I feel like this. And yeah. then from that seat, you watch everybody's highlight reel of their mm -hmm. life, the curated, filtered, perfectly put together. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to acknowledge somebody that's got a large social media following. So on mm -hmm. the outside looking in, you're like, oh, Lindsay's got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. To sit here and say, yeah, you know what? Not all of it. And I'm yeah. still learning and I'm yeah. still figuring it out. And I think that's really uh, important for people to hear. Mm -hmm. And it brings up an, an, an another question for me, which is what, what maybe then are some of the like, hidden ugly truths about being a content creator that people mm. wouldn't understand because i think people look at it and they're just like oh you got it easy you just make videos and then you probably sell products and it's great and blah 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 but what yeah. are some of the things that maybe people would misunderstand about that lifestyle in terms of the hidden pressures or the things that you go through from a mental health perspective etc yeah um lots of pressures um and you know and it's all of how you handle it too and so as mentioned recently i'm not handling it well right now so there there's but i'm actively working on it so mm -hmm. i will say that and i see light at the end of the tunnel so mm -hmm. it will be handled um but yeah it's not just you know standing in front of the camera and and you know just speaking and saying these things and you know um exposing certain products it's just about um for me at least personally and i'm just going to talk about myself as a content creator um is i do take a lot of pride in my work and i do i you know have come from a perfectionist background where you know and even just in my training and when i competed and all of this there's like a you know there's a i don't want to show it unless it's shiny mm -hmm. and, and prepped and and ready to go um 
But sometimes you miss things and, you know, how can you put all of these things into a one minute reel and come across like, hopefully it lands with everybody. Everybody understands what I'm trying to say. And, you know, and not that I care too much about offending people. I mean, I guess I, guess I do, but, you know, I guess trying to care too much about offending all people yes. if you, you know, so um, I try to do my best to come from a very, yeah, organic state. Um, and so it's not only about doing it and filming it, but actually having to feel like you have to be presentable that day. And, and um, is it every day that you're filming and, and doing all these things? And that takes hours of time to mm -hmm. write it, to curate something to, and then to present it, like I said, in a minute video that is not only going to get your attention to wake up because it's not, and it's also, it's, because we also have to work without with an algorithm on Instagram as well too, in order for you to see that message. So now it's more research into, you know, the hashtags and the tags and how are more people going to see it in order for you to, yeah, gain more exposure and all that. So that's just a reel. Mm -hmm. But now we have YouTube to work with, mm -hmm. which has its own set of analytics and, and ways that you can, you know, make, give yourself more exposure to your message and, and then you have the police, you know, who are out there now, you know, YouTube is censoring now too. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, well, what outlet do you have? And not only do you have the outlet that you just, okay, hit record on, like I said, there's more to it, but then there's also more to it to actually learn the systems of it, right? Um, I have a website. And so there's so many systems that are, you have to learn within um, Squarespace and then how different systems integrate. And then, hey, you know, you should start a community or, you know, you should do a cookbook or you know, there's a lot of, you know, tasks and things that need to happen before just creating a video. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> the the analysis paralysis can be really real. Yeah. Uh, it can feel like a lot. And then, you know, sometimes I'm in a very similar position as you. My audience is much smaller, but I resonate mm -hmm. a lot with what you said about basically pissing people off and the trolls <laughs> and the comments, etc. And yeah, the way I kind of confront that is, um, you know, like being a, a content creator and fighting for something you're passionate about, like an animal based diet, like mm -hmm. this more holistic message for health. Um, you can't be loved by everybody. There's no leader that has ever existed that has right. been loved by everybody. You know, some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. And yeah. you just have to reconcile that that's okay because it's not your job to shrink your truth to mm -hmm. appease anybody else. You've just yeah. got to do it from love. Like you said, you've got to do it from like, this is what is most present and true for me right now. Mm -hmm. And we've also simultaneously got to work on all of those other things. Like, I don't want to show up today, but Wednesday's content day. And I have yeah. this thing with this photographer and la 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 la. Mm -hmm. So with that in the room and a lot of this kind of like, self-inflicted pressure let's totally. say yeah <laughs> what are some healthy habits that you're really leaning into now mm -hmm. aside from your diet of course because mm -hmm. that seems to be a really rock solid staple for yeah. you what are some other um potentially maybe surprising habits that you're really leaning into so you can stay grounded and connected and aware and listening to your intuition and just finding that balance again mm -hmm. yeah so i mean obviously f food as you mentioned too is foundational and without that i must say like without that anchor that lives in my life constantly it's really hard to find any other healthy habits you know for me to even think clearly about that and even when i feel like i am overwhelmed or stressed such as you know certain times like now then um without that i feel like there's probably way worse like i could feel way worse mm -hmm. right yeah um so definitely working out every day non-negotiable um and it's no, it's no excuse. And, and I think that more than anything, the healthy habits of 
trying to lean on discipline more than anything. And, and it's not always about motivation. I don't wake up every day and I'm super motivated. I mean, there's more days than not where I wake up like that um, just because of how much I take care of my body on a daily basis. Mm. Um, but yeah, just getting out there and doing it no matter what. And What even, is that for you? How do you like to work out? How do I like to work out? Wow. Uh, so that changes sometimes too. But right now, currently, I probably about every other day is some sort of like strength and heavy lift day. Cool. Um, and then in between that, there's some um, high intensity interval training, maybe about like one to almost two times a week, mm -hmm. depends. And then there's definitely a kickboxing day in there where I just nice. beat the crap out of the back. tools, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that. Um, and then there is a sort of a longer day of where I'm rucking. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So just kind of cycling in between those, and um, I feel like another healthy habit that I just layer in um, as it relates to all spokes of life, meaning nutrition, meaning working out, meaning anything, is um, adding some resistance. Right. So if I'm working out and it's easy for me to accomplish a certain amount of reps, like such as you know weight training, resistance training, I just add more. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's to really, uh, tackle, tackle the, the little voices sometimes that come up in your head because your brain is looking for the most efficient way to do things. Mm -hmm. And the most efficient way to do things is not to go through tons of resistance and discomfort and all of that. So it's really just trying to have that conversation with the brain and just saying, you know, look, there's a little bit of discomfort right now. Um, but it will make you stronger later. It will make you more resilient later. And so capitalizing on the moments that make me more resilient, um, making sure that I take trips that lead to discomfort um, and to uncomfortable situations. So these are the healthy habits that aren't necessarily folded into my day where it's like, mm. I make sure that I have, you know, red light every day where, mm -hmm. you know, I do ha fold in infrared lighting for sure. Um, I think it helps optimize. Um, but I think that it's really the mental game and the mental conversations and the check-ins with myself that um, whether it be, you know, weekly or quarterly or so on that I that I find is, is really helpful to say, hey, what do we need to do here, mm -hmm. you know, to get from point A to point B? What are your goals? And do we want to get there? Well, if we want to get there, we got to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think um, to use a training analogy, you need to progressively overload life too, not mm -hmm. just in the gym. Of course, right? If you lifted that and it's, you know, perceived rate of exertion, that's a seven out of 10. Like, right. Let's say if we can move it to an eight out of 10, but these microdose in that discomfort in your life too, you know, mm -hmm. the old cliche that there's no comfort in growth. There's no mm -hmm. growth in comfort. You, you, you grow at the edge of your comfort zone. And I liked what you said. It, it reminds me of something Rob Wolf, I heard him say a long time ago, people always tell you eat less and move more. And yeah. your genes are basically telling you to eat more and move less. Yeah. So there needs yeah. to be some sense of command right. over the mind. Um, mm -hmm. To the point where all things in moderation include in moderation. Like mm -hmm. we see people die on the sort of discipline too. Mm -hmm. Like they're four hours of sleep and they never miss a workout. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's always an evolving balance. And I think right. the, the check-in process that you mentioned is really good to just make sure that these things are working for us instead mm -hmm. of against us, that they're energy mm -hmm. gaining, not energy draining. And I think right. self-awareness plays into that a lot. Otherwise you just end up on the, you know, the, the treadmill of whatever it is. And hopefully it's a better treadmill, not the treadmill of like hedonism, but the yeah. treadmill of growth, but it's still 
oil can, you know, it can, the dose makes the poison in all things, right? For sure. Yeah. And nourishment comes in all forms. You know, it's not just the, the food we eat, but you know, nourishment, what is going to nourish me today? You know, and if nourish, and if it doesn't, and if you don't feel like, you know, going for a 10 mile run, isn't going to nourish you, don't do it. Mm. You know, maybe do some other form of movement. What is going to, you know, give you that, you know, yummy energy for, for life in, in the day's activities. Mm. So, yeah. And, and I really enjoy, I think, yeah, Michael Easter, mm. the discomfort crisis or the comfort crisis. Comfort crisis yeah. Great book. Um, and I feel that I definitely gained some inspiration from that too, as well. Um, you know, not only through my own like trainings and just really resilience has always just been the theme throughout my life. But um, also we, you know, get a chance to read or, you know, absorb information from from certain people that, um, you know, you're not, though it has been taught throughout my life. Sometimes you just resonate with things that have been kind of consistently in your life and then it resonates more at a particular time. So when you read something like that, or perhaps you're hearing something like this, that, that, is hey just push yourself a little bit more just you know lean into discomfort a little bit mm-hmm. i think that those are some of the the key components of some healthy habits that are really just more of like mental healthy habits that um can really elevate yeah um, your life yeah i agree in terms of fostering that resiliency in in the world that you've become particularly known for, building a plate of nourishment. Um, mm-hmm. and I think something you said about having this kind of big rock in place mm-hmm. that your nutrition even allows you to hold the capacity for more stuff coming into mm-hmm. life, which is probably down to things like micronutrients and mm-hmm. the fact that stress depletes minerals, et cetera. But you're yeah. so buffered against that that you've got more range Mm -hmm. so what are you know the 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 key principles or maybe even some top foods that you really prioritize highly on that list Mm -hmm. to keep that resiliency in place protein Mm, protein (laughs) let's go for sure me (laughs) yeah for sure i think that protein is definitely number one foods um and this goes without saying you know you can't just eat protein and then have your fries and sandwich hamburgers on top of that, right? I'm talking about from a very clean plate perspective. You have an empty plate. And the first thing I would put on there is protein. Um, And now it's not even just any protein, really. I think that prioritizing variety is good in, in your protein intake from, you know, different animals such as um, elk and bison and, and cows, um, or beef and lamb, even, you know, everyone has their own different micronutrient density, um, especially, you know, even seasonally and geographic location. So it's really cool. And you don't need to know all the details. You just need to know, Hey, there's a diversity in there that I feel like, you know, would be holistically beneficial for me. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, collagen for sure. Um, and so that can definitely be found in meat. Mm -hmm. And so as it relates to the variety of protein that's on your plate, um, it's, you know, things like your oxtails or things like your bone marrows or your bone broth soups, you know, fall is coming up. I guess I think the equinox is a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, tis the season for soups. So you Stew double season. down, you know, uh, yeah, I just dropped a, uh, oxtail 
pumpkin puree. Yum. It's an oxtail stew soup and pumpkin puree on my yeah. YouTube channel. I have a cooking with me show, but um, I just dropped that recipe in there because oxtail is just like, it's so nourishing yeah. and it has, you know, so many of those, um, so much collagen in there that I, I think that from, especially as we age too, but it's not that women who are younger, who are listening to this, think that they can still get away with, you know, McDonald's and all of these things. You, what you do today will help benefit your future self. Mm -hmm. Trust me. Um, and, you know, I, I just think about this all the time when, you know, your parents said something and it wasn't necessarily always this, but you're like, yeah, whatever. What do you know? I'm like, trust me, we all do know. Mm -hmm. So we all feel like our parents here, but, um, but what you do eat today benefits tomorrow for sure. Um, you know, it all again, just starts piling into that resiliency bowl that you're just going to be more resilient later on. Um, so yeah, so collagen, did you say one food, two foods, maybe? I, I, I wanted a, a list. I've actually got a follow-up oh, question to this, but sure. now you're pulling me on a tangent and I'd love to get your perspective on this yeah. because the two foods that you mentioned prioritizing like protein and you said meat and then mm -hmm. you said collagen. Mm -hmm. And I'm very interested because that again, seems to be like more associated with the masculine. And mm -hmm. what do you think of like the cultural tropes that like, mm -hmm. you know, ladies go out and they order a salad and maybe if they're feeling, you know, excessive, they get a bit of white fish and, yeah. and they eat light and they eat like rabbit food and you're out here like no meat is is yeah. is is really powerful and empowering and serves mm -hmm. your health but there does seem to be this cultural pull towards mm -hmm. more of a plant-based diet and we were looking at statistics before we jumped on the show mm -hmm. it's pretty much 70 percent of people that choose to go vegan mm -hmm. are female so it's much more alluring to that energy for some reason maybe mm -hmm. it's supposedly more feminine to mm -hmm. not eat meat how do you square that circle and how would you like kind of just push back against those arguments and say no ladies we need a big steak as well. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, it's so hard to say. I feel like I feel like when you look at a salad, it just looks lighter. Mm -hmm. And maybe you want to be like the salad. <laughs> so part of me feels like the, you know, the leaves and the greens and the colors just like make it prettier and, and, and more feminine, maybe. Mm. Um, you know, I feel that women are more focused on calories. And that is not the way to nourishment nor health. Um, and constantly being in that caloric deficit has uh, multiple consequences later. And so I just, I feel that um, I'm not, you know, there's a lot of marketing out there too. And mm -hmm. so it may not be their fault in choosing this either, because I think that if you, maybe let's take a week like women are maybe out in the wild and then you present them with different plates with no you know media or no marketing or nobody's telling you what to eat and nobody's telling you what's good for the planet and mm -hmm. all of these things and i just wonder what they would intuitively choose and many times um and especially in you know their most vulnerable state a lot of women may choose actually meat and something that's nourishing. So in their most vulnerable state, right? But mm -hmm. when they are fed this stuff of, of you know, what, um, you know, being feminine looks like, it's not real. So they're just trying to match up to that. Yeah. But when inside they're really just depleted of, um, you know, vitamins and minerals and all of these nourishing nutrients that really actually make you feminine and make you a real good host for, you know, future family yeah right um and so and that's what really feminine is to me yes. and i think there's a lot of women who 
I guess not a lot of women, but the women who are carnivore or who are animal based, um, they don't look super jacked or, you know, masculine or anything like that. Sure, maybe certain women do are, do look like that because that is their goals or they're competing or, you know, they're doing these CrossFit sports and they are maybe scooping creatine and mm -hmm. having tons and tons of gains. But, you know, the amount of protein you need is one gram per pound of body fat. And that will not get you to Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no. Like, it's funny, like, I think men always hear women say, oh, I'm not resistance training because it'll make me bulky. And they're yeah. like, I've been trying to get bulky for a decade. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work like that, especially when, you know, the hormonal backbones of the body, like less testosterone and stuff yeah. would make that even more, um, you know, challenging unless mm -hmm. you're, you know, in, on some kind of an exogenous support and, you know, maybe get in some uh, extra help there chemically. But, yeah. um, you know, for the most part, I think you're right. And, you know, this, this, potentially like this failing then of women because of this really trendy, sexy vegan hand grenade that they mm -hmm. lob over the fence. Like yeah. it's good for you. It's good for the planet. It's good for the animals. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about pushing back against that. But not only does it leave them potentially, you know, just just choosing their plate based on cultural norms, but mm -hmm. then the fallout of that is rampant nutrient deficiencies a yeah. year or two down the line. And right like if the feminine is really this vessel and vehicle for life this portal mm -hmm. for life and now you run into infertility issues how how empowering to the feminine is that really you totally know? So. yeah and i do have actually something to say to that too i wonder if um a lot of it and you wonder when it's going to be our turn for you know lean like leanness and yeah some women who have a really healthy muscular figure to be um, shown as something to uh, aspire to, right? Where it's before it was, you know, thin supermodel. Yeah, yeah. Now it's this, you know, sort of like bigger, but sort of Kim Kardashian, you know, style. And I wonder if it's because it's, it is hard work mm -hmm. to get to a strong body, you know, that there's not a lot of people there's not a lot of grit from women that that um, want to face that and to do that, you know. And I don't, I, I, I think that that's the important message is to say that you can do it. You can, you know, it's it's not easy, but you need to embrace the suck. You need to make it things, you know, almost harder for yourself mm -hmm. before, you know, this online on the podcast I talked about go the path of least resistance, like, or most resistance. Most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't go the path of least resistance. Go the path of most resistance because that is going to make you stronger and healthier, stronger bones, you know, and, and it's, I don't think that there's many women, maybe, you know, inspirational or celebrity sort of style women that do that. And so mm -hmm. therefore, you know, someone to look up to is not in that field. And, and you know, therefore, then you can't market it towards that and, and all these things. So, so I don't know, that's just what I think in my brain that, that could be potentially what's happening too, is just that there is no model to look after yeah. to, um, to strive for that. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And I think, you know, just coming back around on that choosing um, 
the chosen adversity again of just like growth. And I have this uh, trite little aphorism I like a lot, which is easy choices, harder life, mm-hmm. harder choices, easier life. Totally. Because in making that harder choice, you get to really grow into the possibility of who you could be. Mm-hmm. And that's for everybody to choose, you know, what, what, what they're aspiring to and maybe, yeah, reassess what role models we have in culture. And is right. that like, is that something you actually want or is that something you are being told that you should want? Because I don't know, Kim K has a nice fake bump, for example, right? right? Is that, would that fix, you know, what's really, you know, alive in you? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool. And to come back to the nutrition piece, I think the way I'll I'll, kind of ask you this question is, because this will speak to the nutrient density in foods that you would personally prioritize. And I know this is an individual question, but I think there'll be a lot of value in here. If you could only eat three meals for the rest of your life, like for the rest of your life, your breakfast, lunch, and dinner had to be the same every day, what roughly would that look like? What would your breakfast be? What would your lunch be? What would your dinner be? I have a follow-up question. Okay, what is it? (laughs) Do I have any kitchen tools? Yeah, of course. You can have a fully, fully organic kitchen. You can even weave in some craziness like bone broth and stuff if you want, but you've got all the tools. Okay. So like even grill and all that. You got a grill, you got a sous vide, you got a, you've got an instant pot, you've got it all, but you were only eating the same three meals over and over again. Oof. Okay. And then, okay. Um, I guess it would be... That is such a tough question. I'm going to say ground beef. Love okay. some ground beef. Yes. Um, and of course, like if I, I like all the money in the world too, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unlimited. Great. All right. See, I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this is ground beef? Where are we starting with ground beef here? Is this ground beef for breakfast? Are you like moving ground beef? Oh, and like, this is no? ground beef for breakfast. Okay, yeah. ground beef for breakfast. Yeah, that's a little different. Okay, ground beef for breakfast. Yeah, I always have a burger. Like meat cereal. Uh, meat cereal. Oh, that's yeah. what I call it. I do a pound of ground beef with maybe some eggs. It's meat cereal. Oh yeah, exactly. There you go. I just saw um, on somebody's Instagram. I think it was. Uh, I forget, but they were actually made like dehydrated chicken hmm. and chopped it up as if it was like cinnamon toast crunch and put some milk in it. Oh, like, that's extra. That doesn't even look good. Yeah, that's extra. Anyway, so probably about a meat patty with an egg on top. Is that allowed? Yeah, I love that. Okay, good. Breakfast burger. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of kefir. Mm-hmm, beautiful. Okay, great. Kefir for the probiotics and such. Correct. Cool. Probiotics, um, as well as, you know, it's just Tasty. You have the fat and the carbs, yeah, and, yeah. you know, um, as well as the protein in there too. Then I would have for lunch, I would have some bone broth, mm-hmm. um, and then, but my homemade bone broth, not the kind you find in the store because it's pretty diluted with not even good water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my bone broth, really. Um, Nice and jiggly. I like that. So that, and then for, I guess I only have two meals, so it's really hard to think of a lunch. Mm. Um, You could just do leftovers from dinner. So what's dinner? Okay, that's true. Okay, good. So it would be bone broth pretty much. Cool. And then probably like lamb shank. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Slow cooked. Mm-hmm. And yep. And because then if you put the bone broth in there, then it reduces down mm-hmm. to this beautiful au jus and you don't really need much of anything. Mm. Um, it's so flavorful. It's unbelievable. And you just need salt. So between that and just, um, you know, the marrow that you can get from the bone mm. as well as just like that super collagenous tissue too that really strengthens 
um, bones, your joints, your ligaments, all of these things, because then if I only have these three foods, I want to make sure that I can keep skiing and doing all these activities that I really want to do and just really essentially put the lube in my joints to just age gracefully. Um, And when I say ground beef too in the beginning, it's a blend of mm-hmm. liver and of heart. There so we go. liver, heart. So it's an ancestral blend because I do feel like those are imperative um, to the diet. Then um, I said kefir, but then I also always have fruit with it. I do have a big breakfast. Yeah. So I wasn't sure of how much food I can have in one sitting. You can sitting. have as much as you okay. want. It's just your, your so, yeah. perfect breakfast. So, so we got, got some kef- fruit now. What fruit are we having? Um, so it's in season. So, but if it were to be one fruit, then I would say, mm, geez, geez. Why do I put these, this on myself? Ooh, I really love grilled peaches. Ooh, that's a nice one. Yeah. Grilled peaches. Okay. I like that. I could get down with this diet. It feels like I'd be happy pretty much eating that every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. Coffee. What about coffee? Oh, yeah. You know, is mm-hmm. you, we get a lot of obviously, you know, the extreme views of coffee is burnt bean juice. It's got yeah. all these anti nutrients. It makes you poop, and it's yeah. not good. Yeah. I am admittedly a a, a caffeine addict. Mm-hmm. I love this stuff, and I justify it. But there's always a, 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 yeah. a hint of shame when I go to take my double totally. espresso. So, yeah. where's coffee fit into your equation? Is it a yes? No. It depends. Maybe. Is it always a yes for you? Yeah. What do you suggest for people's relationship with coffee? Ah. Uh. Definitely yes for me. So as it relates to me, for sure, I've tried without it um, because again, just going super simple from when I first started, I just wanted to see if I could optimize anything without it. How did it feel? And honestly, it didn't miss it. And I did it for a few months too. So I gave it a good go. Um, Then I added it back in my life and cognitively speaking, it really just makes Mm -hmm. my life a lot better I feel you know and as long as I am sourcing the best quality that I can you know finding pesticide free mold free coffee organic fair trade you know quality gourmet coffee then I feel good about that choice and of course you know whatever I put in it with you know whether it's raw milk or cream or maybe an egg yolk super Mm -hmm. amazing Um, but and to leverage it to the point where it's not you know, taking away from my day or taking tomorrow away or taking the next day away. So until I get to that point, then maybe I can readdress like what caffeine means in my life. And then for those who uh, are thinking about caffeine um, or coffee in general, um, maybe you might want to look at how it relates in in your life. Like, are you anxious? Are you suffering from gut issues? Like, then we need to look at these things that can affect um, and cause those symptoms too. So I would say just try it. Um, it. But if it does take a few years off of my life at the end of life, I'm okay with that because yeah. I enjoy every second of it every day. <laughs> I love it. I feel I feel similar. You know, I've tried life without it. And I think that is the invitation uh, mm-hmm. really is to, you know, wherever you're at on the coffee, if you don't drink it, great. We're not saying you need it by any right. means. But if you do, and it's been a habit for years of your life, mm-hmm. and maybe you're the kind of person that also justifies the three o'clock in the afternoon cup for the energy boost, then yeah. maybe it's time just as a call to action to wean off and try life without it. 
admittedly, that could suck. You know, you might get the caffeine headaches, you might get the withdrawal symptoms, but Mm -hmm. it is very interesting to go through this experiment like we started the conversation with Mm -hmm. of removal and keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. And then you can decide where and when you want to add it back Mm -hmm. in. And similar to your story, I've done lots of time without coffee. I'll come off for retreats and such. And, um, you know, it's miserable for a few days. And then I I get fine and I'm really balanced. And I'm like, I I like myself without coffee, but I always come back and I feel that, you know, maybe that's my slightly addictive personality, but it's also... So I do enjoy the kind of, you know, inherently like motivating ritualistic aspects of coffee too. So mm-hmm. it's not a one size fits all, like you yeah. said, with a lot of this stuff. So right. my last question before we talk mm-hmm. to our callers here, yeah. this is kind of a random question, but sure. should women eat testicles? Oh. <laughs> um, You know, I don't, when I say this, it's always, you have to frame it where, um, once again, it's like, what are you doing it for? What's your intention behind it? Um, I don't, I don't think so frequently, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, you know, maybe if you do have low testosterone levels, maybe it might be a good thing to help optimize mm-hmm. those levels. Um, I don't, I don't think so frequently. I have my first time doing it was in Costa Rica and it was raw and, um, it's not like it's terrible. I think that everybody should try it. Um, just for the sake of, you know, it's a, it's a good, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a party trick. You just <laughs> yeah, say, right. Hey, <laughs> I've had Tesco before, yeah. you know, have you? Yeah. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think it needs to be frequently in our diet now. Cool. Cool. When you ate testicle, did anything happen? Did you like turn no. into this crazy maniac? You just wanted to go lift just, all the way. I had this like sort of black hair grow on my ah, chest nice. and I was like, cool. Wow. That's very feminine. Yeah. I like it. Okay, great. Cool. We're going to transition into yeah. talking to a couple callers we've got on the line sure. as well, which is always a fun part of this. So <laughs> let's see if they're in the room here. We've got a uh, Sydney and Aisha. Aisha, hope I'm pronouncing that right. So who's up first? Sydney. Sydney. What can we help you with? Sydney calling from Georgia today. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. <laughs> um. Before I ask my question, um, I just want to take a very brief moment uh, to express my gratitude for you and your content. Um, From a female content consumer to a female content creator, um, your vital uh, role and your vulnerability is to the rest of us how thankful we are. We're just, we're very grateful for the content that you're creating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that you probably experience creative fatigue, but um, you are paramount in my journey. And I know for so many other women. So I just wanted to say thank you so much deeply for what you're doing. Thank Um, you so much. My first question, yes, my first question is, is making a cookbook something that Mm -hmm. you're interested in? Yes. So first, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And if anything, it gives me inspiration as, you know, I mentioned before that I'm just, yeah, kind of in a little bit of a creative sticky spot. So I really appreciate it. Um, I needed that. I needed to hear that. So as far as a cookbook goes, I, yes, it's definitely something that keeps on coming into the picture, right? And last year, around this time, Thanksgiving, I created a little PDF for a holiday menu, a set holiday menu. And that seemed to um, to work for people and people really made some fabulous recipes uh, as I saw on my Instagram. So yes, I am absolutely thinking about that when I don't know yet, hopefully when there's some room on the plate and on my table. All right, I can't <laughs> wait. Um, 
How, my second question mm-hmm. is, how do you create an animal-based meal plan around your fitness goals? Sure. Um, that's always a, a tricky one. So if you're asking how I create it for myself personally, um, it just depends on on performance. It depends on what type of fitness goals am I going to, um, you know, am I entering into ski season? Yeah, my, my nutrition changes a lot when I enter into ski season because I'm going from bell to bell, meaning I am up at 7 a.m. and I am ready to hit the slopes by eight or nine whenever the lifts open and then I'm done by five. And so um, essentially, you know, electrolytes and hydration is like of the most important, you know, but it's not that if I was living sort of my normal day and working nine to five, I wouldn't be drinking as much, you know, sodium or just, you know, honey really <laughs> on the slopes. I wouldn't be doing that at my office chair, um, though sometimes I, I mean, of course, I do like a spoonful of honey. Um so yeah, so it all depends on what my fitness goals are, um, where I'm at, geographical location, like how hard I'm training. So yes, it definitely matters. Cool. Thank you for those awesome questions and your energy, Sydney. I love that. What I will add, um, even though Lindsay's sitting on the cookbook idea, we do have coming soon to the Heart and Soil page some mm-hmm. recipes that you shot with the team as That's well. Right. So you were recently doing some magic in the kitchen. The very talented team here caught yeah. those on video. So they'll be coming out soon as well. So keep your eyes peeled on that. Yeah. And All you right. can also check out my YouTube channel where I just dropped one every Thursday. I drop a, a, a recipe. So there you go. Yeah. Look at that. So it's kind of a virtual cookbook <laughs> awesome and last but certainly not least we have a texas native aisha are you with us hello hey uh hi steve hi, hi Lindsay. hi so, um i just wanted to take a couple moments to te- to say thank you for everything that you both do uh honestly it's been really i really appreciate everything that you guys post and everything it's been great so far and tomorrow's my birthday so this is like a wonderful uh experience to have it's like a birthday gift almost happy (laughs) birthday thank you uh so for my my question is about citric acid so i wanted to know what your thoughts were on it and what exactly you know about it like just anything that you have to say about it because i've seen it in my toothpaste in my like mayo for example um mm-hmm. just cancel but i wanted to know what exactly it was because i know it you can avoid it and it there are some products out there that don't have it but i just wanted to know what exactly it was for sure any any time that you have something that's been processed right you get citric acid from lemon so part of me is like why not just use fresh lemon juice. <laughs> so that's really kind of my my answer to that. I know that when I was doing my spreads and sauces, um, I was, you know, encouraged to use citric acid as it would be more shelf stable. So honestly, from an intuitive perspective, it didn't make sense in, in my food. It's like I, I would just squeeze fresh lemon juice in there. And then depending on that level, um, the acidity level, it would last a little bit longer. Um, but I wouldn't consume anything that had citric acid in it because it's not something that comes right. from a whole food. And I think that when you take anything from a whole food matrix that it has so so many other elements in there that help 
um, that have an intention throughout your body, right? And so when you do it from a reductionist okay. standpoint, you can sometimes, it can lead into some troublesome, um, you know, symptoms or things like that. Yeah, I, I know the question's a bit a bit specific, but I just wanted to know, because, you know, we always have to get down to the specifics, especially with the food products and everything. And I also had a question about, like, what brands of like cleaning products you recommend or what exactly you use for laundry or cleaning whatever you use uh, what i'd love to know cream, cream. oh cleaning products cleaning, yeah. yes um so that varies so sometimes it's baking soda sometimes it's vinegar but you know i'm not an appliance expert so i know there are some um people who will say that it might damage some like seals in in your mm. washers and dryers and you know even your dishwashers and things like that so I started to use that infrequently, um, but there is a there is a brand that I use, and actually I think you guys use it here too, Branch Basics, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, and so that one has the the cleanest solution I feel for for laundry. Essentially, it's one small concentrate with maybe five ingredients in there, and um, then you just pour in water and then depending on what you want to use it for whether it be your windows your countertops or you know your, your dishwasher is like that's the concentration and the water ratio varies i think um yeah baking soda vinegar is definitely a classic and mm -hmm. if you want to get fancy you can add like a drop of lemon essential oil or lemongrass and it smells really good my wife's always cleaning with various concentrations of baking soda vinegar and essential oils yeah and then um the only thing to really be aware of Aisha is like uh the green washing that goes on with yeah. a lot of these products they'll just they'll just use buzzwords they, they might even put like vegan hand soap or <laughs> organic gluten-free <laughs> hand soap and you're like oh great that must be healthy then and yeah. you kind of look on the back you compare it to just classic dawn and it's pretty much the same thing so there are apps uh, i would google there's an app and i um the name is escaping me right now but it kind of is really good it's really reliable and it will give you like a rating scale of how legit something is versus how greenwashed it is so mm -hmm. stick to natural products as much as you can yeah baking soda vinegar I should yeah. probably be careful because I might be destroying my washing machine. So I will check and into that. <laughs> hydrogen peroxide actually too is yeah. a really mm -hmm. great sort of stain removal. Cool. Um, so yeah. So thank you for calling Aisha. Happy birthday. Yes. Happy Keep birthday. Keep being radical. Cool. <laughs> Lindsay, um, we're about to wrap this thing up, but it was a really fun chat. I, I yeah. loved the, you know, the scope of where we went with this from mm -hmm. nutrition to mindset to, you know, connections and all of that stuff. Um, where could people go to keep up with what you're up to, what to, you know, what, what, what are you excited about? Any kind of closing statements that are on your heart that you'd like to share? The floor is yours. Yeah. So, of course, you can follow me on Instagram, Animal Based Bay, as well as I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter or X now. X. YouTube. Um, I'm definitely more active on YouTube as you'll see more recipes drop weekly. So that'll help support you and your variety in the kitchen um, as well as, so I guess I do have something exciting coming up. Mm. Um, I am going to Greece in a couple of weeks and that is because it's harvest season for olives. Oh, and yes. so olive oil kind of is like it's a bad rap mm -hmm, here and mm -hmm. rightfully so because it's cut with a lot of um, mm -hmm. different oils why cheaper costs all these things blah 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 um but i think that we've been consuming it for a very long time that i just really want to know the truth about it so um i'm going to it's called pj cabos is mm. um 
the farm and he harvests these amazing olives um, that are some of the uh, lowest in linoleic acid content mm. in the olive oil when they produce olive oil. So um, it's all about quality and how it's produced. And so I think that this uh, will be a really interesting, you know, content coming up to just explore all of olives and, and olive oil. I love that. I was just in Mallorca a few months ago mm -hmm. and they produce a lot of olives. So we mm -hmm. went to like the good olive farms where they don't yeah. use like chemicals and stuff. And I right. ate so many olives and delicious, rich olive oil. And I think yeah. you're right. I think the purest, like real stuff yeah. is like a, a liquid gold. But yeah, yeah. They, the, the concerns about what it's being cut with and yeah. sitting on the supermarket shelves for a long time and stuff. So yeah. stay peeled for that. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Yeah. This was a fun chat and I'm sure we'll run it back again at some point in the future. For and sure. uh, you lot. Stay radical and we'll see you next Wednesday. Go follow Lindsay. Peace out. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.